Our passage this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, from verses 21 all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 33. Let me read for us. It reads, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of us, each of you, also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. We surround ourselves every day with bold, um, with, uh, with important relationships. The relationships, those relationships could be academic, if you, are, if you are studying, they could be professional, if you are working, they could be friends, they could be romantic partners, and everything in between. Scientists have singled out that our first relationships are the most important part in our development. The relationships that you get in the family, whether siblings with your parents, are probably the most important part in your development. They enable you to speak. They enable you to have a, a self-confidence. They enable you to, to learn negotiation skills, to learn respect, to learn sharing, to learn um, taking turns. All in all, these relationships are essential. Without them, the growth of children gets stunted. That is why, even in, uh, in orphanages, they tend to want to have some form of that relationship. They want to have a, a mother who is there, who acts a motherly role. But even that is insufficient. 
They advise that growing up in a family where you have both parents is ideal. It helps you to have better to, 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 to have better social skills, better communication skills. You are better prepared for school. It helps you to, uh, to get ready to experience the world and be successful in it. Of these relationships, they say, the relationship between a mother and a father are impactful, not just in helping you to be successful in the world, as you start off, but also as, a, as, as an example of how of the type of partner you're going to be when you grow up as well. Unknowingly, children imitate what they saw in their parents in terms of relating to a married, uh, to when they are married. Children who come from homes uh, where there's estrangement between parents struggle, unfortunately. And they're not, this is not to say that they are irredeemable, but they also struggle relationally as they get older. It's interesting, therefore, that the Bible compares the church's relationship to God, the people of God and the church, are compared to a relationship of a bride and a bridegroom, of, of, of married people, of people who are about to get married, that is. The purpose here is to show us that the marriage relationship is, a, is transparent to God's purposes on a larger scale. It speaks about our relationship with God. No other relationship within the family so fully mirrors God's purpose in the world, one commentator said. Our passage this morning moves from our individual relationships to our family and professional relationships. It is still following the same uh, uh, ethical demands that you have seen at the beginning of the chapter, in chapter 5. It is still encouraging us to follow God's example. But now we're going to see what does this, what does this look like within the marriage relationship. It is still encouraging us to do what pleases God. As it said in 5 verses 8 and 9, it is still encouraging us to live wisely, but within these contexts. The first thing that I wanted to see there in verses, in verses 21 is that Paul wants us to, first of all, submit to one another. That's the first thing. Submit to one another. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This clause covers all three paragraphs that you're going to, significant paragraphs that you're going to see from chapter 5 to chapter 6. Chapter 5 speaks about, will speak about the, the home. Chapter 6 will speak about the parent-child relationships. And also going to speak about uh, the slave-master relationship. This clause in verses 21 covers all of that. 
It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's speaking not only to the wife, but he's speaking to the husband, to the child, to the slave, to the master. The word submit here means allow the other person to do that which God has called them. It is typically used in a military context to distinguish between um, commanders and soldiers, to distinguish between people who have different functions within the army. The soldier submits to the commanders, otherwise the task uh, the, the, the task to be done would be leaderless. At the heart of submission is a notion of humbly accepting God's order. God has, one commentator said, God has established certain roles within the family and submission is a humble recognition of that divine ordering. It's not to say that one part is more important than the other. But it's to say that these two parts have different functions within the order of God. Our sinful nature is inclined to see submission as a bad thing because we are ingrained with a dislike for authority right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 when the evil one says, said, did God really say you mustn't eat of this? He caused us to question the authority, God's authority to command and to instruct Adam and Eve. And therefore they disobeyed. Our sinful nature make submission hard. This is because humility does not come naturally to us. We, we, we tend to see that the one that I'm humbling myself before, that I am making myself less, and they are more than I. We see it as a, as a dehumanizing thing. We equate authority with tyranny, abuse of power, and corruption. Our experience of those who are in positions of authority who to abuse it because they are sinful soils our ability to understand what submission is. At times we feel that the people that we are called to submit to do not have our respect, are not honorable. This is why we therefore need another motivation for submission. We need to submit to these people and hold them and accept the position that God has put them in, not because of who they are or what they've done, but because of God. Verse 21 again says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The, 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 the cause, the foundation for your submission 
The motivation for your submission should be reverence for Christ. The one before you may not be worthy of your submission, but out of reverence for Christ you submit to them. To revere is to hold someone of high esteem. Other versions have um, would say submit to one another out of fear for Christ. Because the word, the, the, the word reverence in the Bible is often uh, translated as reverent fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not to say that uh, God, you, you are to run away from God, but you should fear sinning against him because of the consequences of doing so. You are to respect him. You are to desire to do everything to please him because of his position and yours. To revere is to hold something in high esteem, is to respect the other person. You are told by Paul here to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He understands that it's difficult to submit. It's difficult to submit to those in authority. He understands that it's going to be hard for, uh, when you get to chapter 6, especially for the slave to submit to their master when they are clearly in an unjust and unequal relationship. He understands that it's hard for wives to submit to their husbands because their husbands are also sinful. Yes, they've, they've decided to unite themselves with them and they've now become one flesh and God has declared that this is the order in which this family ought to um, run. But it's hard, isn't it? To submit. The call here is that the motivation should be Christ. Should be Christ in what he has said. It means that you are submitting is a sign of your devotion to God. The sign in your belief in him and your acceptance of the order in which God has ordained. When you get stopped by a traffic um, policeman, you do not stop because you respect the person or you, uh, you think that this is a good person who deserves to stop you, that they are a better driver than you. You stop because you respect the law which has said that on the road you may be the CEO, you may be a minister of a, of a, I don't know, a, a government department, you may be a scientist, you may be a doctor on a way to save a life, you may be the richest person in the country, but on that road, the policeman has been given authority to administer and to monitor the obedience of the law of God. So therefore, all of us, we stop, listen to them, we give them our licenses, 
they check the license disk because of the role that this person plays in society. This is an attitude you should adopt as you go through these ethical demands as well. Between husband and wives, between children and parents, these are the, um, the rules. This is the understanding you should have with regards to these rules. Now let's move on to the first one. The first one relates to verses 22 to 24. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. Verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Your model, what Paul is showing us here, is that your model of submission is exemplified by the relationship between Christ and the church. The church submits to Christ and seeks to obey his word, to live according to the word that he has given us and wants to be like him. The church longs for Christ's presence and enjoys an intimate and eternal fellowship with him. The church listens to Christ as its head and savior. Those who are in the church, we pray in Christ's name, we conform our characters to, to his image, we submit to him as the church. The instruction here is therefore adopt the same demeanor. You who are married, submit, submit to them. And I want to note, I want to add here uh, two things that are important or, or at least that are distinct between a husband and Christ. We should not read this text as if it is the only text that exists in the Bible. The similarities between Christ and their husband need to be limited. Of course, because one is Lord and Savior and died at the cross for the salvation of souls, the other one is just a man. Christ is the Savior. The husband is not. Look at, even in verses 23, it is talking about Christ, who is the, who is the head of the church's body, of which he, that is Christ, is the Savior. Nothing is said here about the saving nature of the husband. The husband is given a responsibility. We will see that responsibility as we move on, verses 25, downwards. And that responsibility is not to save but to point to salvation. To point to the one who will save. We will see as well that the, 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 the wife is called to submit to a husband who acts in a certain way. He's not called to submit to the husband in all, in all things. Even though we see um, 
at the end there, that's the verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so the wife should submit to their husbands in everything. You should not read that as contradicting the word of God which calls us, even, even in submission, not to submit to, um, to people, whether they be government officials. If you are calling us to do that which is contrary to the word of God, Think of Daniel in the lion's den, for an example. If submission was allowed in every context, who would say that he disobeyed? But no, the wife like Daniel has a Lord and Savior, has God, who is above her husband, who is above the president, who is above the policeman on the road. So therefore, when, the, when he calls to do something which contradicts, undermines the word of God, we're not called to submit in that context. God is the supreme ruler. Any authority that seeks to undermine this should be questioned and disregarded. What you see here is that submission is submission to your own husband, first of all. Submit to the, submitting to the one that you have chosen to be your own husband. This is not to say that um, the woman submits to all men everywhere. The, a, a, a woman would submit to people as they are called to by the word of God. Submit to those who are in authority, um, submit to those who are, if perhaps they, are, they still have parents and live, still live with them, to obey them. But they're not called to submit to every man out there. No. They're called to submit to the one that they have united themselves with. That in the roles played in that relationship, they are to submit. And the other one is to love and lead. Which, is what, which gets us to verses 25 to 33, uh, now speaking about the husband. Verse 25 reads, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Let me read again verses 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery that I'm talking about Christ and the church. One commentator noted here that verses 22 to 24 in the original is only 40 words. And verses 25 to 33 is 120 words. This is because sinful nature is inclined to abuse that which God has ordered. So therefore God in his providence through Paul has a lot to say to the man. The call to a husband 
is a serious one. It's a call to be like Christ and to demonstrate Christ's likeness by loving the one who is submitting sacrificially. By not seeking to, to, uh, to, to elevate themselves, but by pouring themselves out for the benefit of the one that, is, that submits to them. Verse 25 says again, Husbands, love your wives, your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and served her through giving up his life for her and loved her in a sacrificial way by laying down his life for her. He did not come to be served. He did not come to be a couch potato who waits to be treated like a king. No. <coughs> he came to dine with sinners and tax collectors. He came to preach and heal. He came to befriend, to, to lay down his life that you and I may be united to God through faith. He did not abuse his position, no. But he was the one who was abused for our sake. He was the one who was beaten, wounded, struck for you and I. We did not come to abuse the power that he has, did not come to abuse the strength that he had, but he came to, uh, to speak on behalf of the weak. He came to defend them against their biggest enemy, death. Look at verses 26 and 27 again with me. And see that Christ is committed to making the church holy, pure and acceptable to God. Look at verse 26. To make her holy, that is the church, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. This speaks to them the function of Christ in the church. This is what the, uh, the, the, the husband is to try to emulate <laughs> as he follows the example of, of sacrificial love is to push members of the family towards Christ who makes holy, towards Christ who washes people from their sins, 
towards Christ whom through his word is making us more and more like himself. The function of the husband within this marriage relationship, therefore, is to be a pointer to the word of God. Is to, is to be a pointer to say that here's where holiness is found. Here's where cleansing is found. Here's where life is found. And the wife is to submit to that. Is to accept that position that, 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 that the the husband has been given. Is to accept and indeed cherish that, nourish that. The husband has a huge responsibility. As the responsibility that we see in Christ that though himself <coughs> cannot die at the cross, as I said earlier, for the salvation of their family. But they can point to the one who died. Their attitude in the relationship with their family should not be that of wanting to be served, but rather of service. And then the best way that they serve their wives and their family is by pointing them to Christ that they may be presented to God as radiant without blemish as those who are trusting in God whose character is like Christ. That is the function of the husband in the family. The funny thing about that, that I've been speaking, though I've been speaking about husbands and wives and submission in general, is that the, 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 the function of both the wife in her submission to God's order and the function of the husband in his sacrificial love and pointing to Christ who cleanses and makes holy, is what God calls all Christians to do. Is what God calls all of us, whether married or unmarried, to do. Is that, therefore, he's saying that within the family context, this ought to be exemplified. That this, this, this should exist that the family, the relationship, the, uh, the marriage is a light, as it were, to those around, to the children, that points to Christ. For an example, all of us, all of us as Christians, are called to submit to the Lord. It's not just wives who submit. All of us are called to submit to the Lord. See that in Job 22, we see that in, in 1 Peter 5. Young people are called to submit to their elders. 
Children are called to obey their parents. All of us are called to submit to those who are in authority. Titus 3 verse 1. Christ submits to the Father. And the Spirit is sent by Christ to remind us of everything that God has taught. Church members are called to submit to those who lead. They are leaders in the church. All of us are called to submit because all of us are church members. All of us are, are, are citizens of some country. All of us were children at some point. All of us are worshippers of God, are called, therefore, to submit. So this submission thing is not unique to just the wives. Which is why Paul begins by saying that submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And secondly, what we see as well is that this call to love sacrificially to point others to Christ is not something that should be done only by husbands. No. All of us are called to be humbly devoted to the other person in humility. For example, if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, all of us there are called to consider the other person better than ourselves. All of us are called to give financially, sacrificially. All of us, we saw in 5 verse 1, are called to follow God's example. That example being set by Christ to lay down his life. All of us are called to that. All of us, in 4 verses 15, are called to encourage and care for one another by speaking the truth in love. All of us are called to point one another to the word of God that we may be presented to him, holy and blameless. So now as Paul turns to the family relationship, He's basically saying that Christian living ought to be exemplified even within the family. God says, uh, that's a similar thing, by the way, even with regards to the choosing of leaders, that he must not be, must be a man, uh, man with one wife, he must not be a drunkard, he must be hospitable, um, must be gentle, must have a good reputation with outsiders. That is something that God calls all of us to be. He's not saying that those who lead must not be drunkards, but everyone else can drink away. No. That those who lead must be, must be hospitable, and everyone else must be closed-fisted. That those who are at the front must have good reputation with outsiders, but all of us must be known scoundrels. No. He's saying that those who lead ought to exemplify Christian conduct. Those who are in marriage ought to, ought to 
exemplify Christian conduct as well. He calls us, all of us, to submit, all of us to love sacrificially, all of us to point others to, to, to God, to point others to salvation. All of us, therefore, need help. If the call to submit is difficult, it's difficult on all of us. If the call to love sacrificially is difficult, it's difficult on all of us. If the call to uh, point others to Christ and his word is hard, and it's hard on all of us. And we are all in need of God's help in that. Let's pray and ask God to, um, to help us in it. Heavenly Father, we are challenged by your word this morning. The word that calls us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word that calls us to love sacrificially and to point others to the one who saves. Lord, we cannot do this without you. We pray that you would equip us, that you would encourage us, that through your spirit, you would empower us to be examples of submission, examples of sacrificial love, to point others to you. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.